it's time to raise the roof for our eighth off-season episode. Uh, we have the full gang here. This is also our last episode before Christmas. So for everyone, Merry Christmas listening, because um, you'll be hearing this probably on Christmas Eve. So uh, an early Merry Christmas to all of you. So we have the gang here. Evan's back. Gibby's here. And we have our special guest uh, this week, or I guess this episode. He is the managing editor of D-Rays Bay. For those that don't know, that's the Tampa Bay Rays SB Nation. I don't know if you want to call it a blog or a website, either or. Uh, but um, he does a lot of great work, writes a lot of great articles about the Rays, podcasts, everything like that. Uh, Danny Russell. Danny, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah. Yeah. The, we are very happy to have you on um, and talk about the Rays, obviously, and and you have, you know, covering the team in, in a way. I mean, I guess, would you consider it covering the team, more or less? Yeah, we're credentialed media. Um, that's easier to be during the years of Zoom, uh, where Zoom dominates uh, how coaching and player communications happen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we cover the team. I think it's technically considered a blog, not a website, uh, because we don't have a print publication, although we did one year, like back in 2011. So okay. uh, I'll – put that better in my cap even though that wasn't my doing <laughs> so we'll so we'll say it's it's we'll say it's technically a publication by that by that metric <laughs> that one fact. time yes, yeah yes. exactly so so that one time makes it makes it legit that you guys are a publication but yeah we have a lot of stuff to talk about uh kind of the first things where so evan you haven't been on for a little bit uh and we needed to get your uh your your takes on what's going on with the uh the zunino re-signing and the nate load deal i don't know if you had any quick uh haters about that yeah so uh well it's good to be back um so Zanino I think the last podcast I had done we talked about potential catchers who we'd like to see back and I said I mean the most realistic and I think the best case scenario would be Zanino um I think that was when we had Brianna Gonzalez on Mm -hmm. um and she agreed with us and with me and I I'm happy that he's back he's a reliable catcher like I've said he's not that good with the bat um but you don't really you don't depend on the catcher for a bat. So I'm fine with that. He's a really good defender, defense catcher, and he already has a lot of experience with the pitchers that he catches. And the pitchers that we have aren't easy to catch. So I'm, I'm completely fine with bringing him back. I like him. Um, I like the signing. It, it, relatively cheap. I forget how much money. I, do you know how much money we signed him for? It was like two, three mil. Two, two mil this year and then a mil with possible extra stuff in the 2022 if they – if they take the option again, there's a player player option, right? Yeah. Oh, so team yeah, option. I'm, oh, team option, team option. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, team option. Oh, okay. Rays don't do player options. <laughs> right. Makes sense. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Very true. Makes sense. But yeah, I was. Ha- I mean, we we got him for cheap. Um, solid catcher. I'm happy with that. Uh, then Nate La- Nate Low. Um, I'm happy. I'm kind of. I'm happy for him. Um, he finally gets his chance. Like he he just didn't really have a future with the Rays. We just have too many first basemen with G-Man, Yandi. I mean, I just – I'm glad he has a chance to uh, shine. And we got a really good prospect in return. So, I, li- I like the, that trade a lot. Yeah, it definitely. And then uh, – so, so Danny uh, – so, for Danny and Evan, we haven't talked to either of you since the Waka deal happened. Obviously, that was a $3 million one-year deal uh, for this season. Um, I guess starting with Danny, what was your opinion about the deal when it came out? Did you, did you like it, hate it, uh, neutral? I mean, it's fine. It's the timing of the deal that really bothered me. Why are you committing this roster spot now when you might need that roster spot soon or later? Because there's players that you need to be an early mover on. And Michael Walker is not one of those players. He's not the 
the kind of signing that you need to make a priority in December, usually under normal uh, circumstances. I have no idea why they executed this deal now because it's uh, it, it's a hopeful fifth of the rotation. It's not it's not a frontline starter. I mean, maybe the race think they can do something with him, and there's a lot of ideas. Um, you know. Putting the fastball high, using the changeup more, very straightforward raiseway ideas. But a $3 million fifth pitcher is not not a December signing. And you could use that roster spot on um, uh, on a different free agent signing if that's the direction that they want to go. Like another catcher to compliment Zanino, who um, you know maybe should not be the lion's share, maybe a 50% share at catcher. So you need more roster spots. I don't get why you do this now. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um... I, I mean, Walker, he's, he hasn't been that good recently, I don't believe. He, he was pretty good two or three years ago, but last year he kind of struggled. Um, but I agree with that. I, I would say if we were going to get him, wait until maybe February, March to get him. He's not a player that I feel like was a highly anticipated. Like, I, I feel like he wasn't a go-getter, and I kind of agree with that. We should have waited if we were going to go get him. He wasn't a December signing. I like that we got him for relatively cheap, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like that. Do like how um, he he is an experienced guy. He's a veteran. He kind of replaces Morton with that, and I'll take that. I mean, experience is it it's priceless. So I'll take him on the team. Right, and that's something that Eric Neander talked a lot about after the signing. He was saying this is someone that we prioritize because he has playoff experience that he can walk in the room and he's been there before. And when you're aiming to go back to the postseason, back to the World Series, it's very helpful to have people on the roster who have done that and are not intimidated by the situation. Now, with that said, the entire team just did that last year. The entire team just had that experience. So mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure uh, how much you need to outweigh that. I mean, he's had a lot of injuries. So perhaps he has uh, the benefit of like a decade of experience with playing through injury and stuff like that. Um, he seems to be a good clubhouse presence. I mean, this is a decent signing if it's February. But right now the second catcher is Joseph Odom, who is <laughs> yeah, a Mariners catcher a- that we picked up off a, on a non-roster invite. Like, what are we doing? Apparently he There's works so great with young pitchers. Fish to fry. Apparently he works great with Never young been. pitchers. That's what we heard. <laughs> I, you know what? Every catcher that makes it to AAA works great with young pitchers. <laughs> I just don't get why they were trying to basically use that as like, oh, it was a great signing. I mean, that doesn't really. Yeah, I guess I kind of just looked at the player and kind of like the value and then like what we got for him. And I didn't really think of the timing. But now that I think of the timing, the, the deal's a little bit less in my mind than I it, it was when I, when I first saw the deal, I was like, this is like mediocre. It's okay. Like I, he's good enough. Maybe they can turn him around. And then I, and then what, when I, when I heard your spin on it, um, just about the timing, this is more of like a February, March kind of thing. I kind of, I, I agree with that. You know, I think you gotta, you don't want to like put too many people on the roster right now. You know, you want to loosen, have some space, you know, if you want to bring in some other guys too. As things stand, we should be expecting more deals to happen Mm -hmm. and more trades to happen. It seems highly likely that Kevin Kiermaier is getting moved this offseason somewhere. Um, You know, those openings might not have happened yet either because other teams could make a trade where they lose a piece that could be useful. If the Cardinals trade away uh, Harrison Bader, all of a sudden they don't have a center fielder anymore. Maybe St. Louis needs a center fielder, you know? So – you, you want to make a deal there. What if some of the pieces coming back are other major league pieces and you need roster space? Mm. Because right now we're maxed out at 40, I believe. So it doesn't, it does, just doesn't make sense. Did the agent pull a fast one and say, I'm sorry, Walker's going to sign in Seattle unless you commit to him right now? You know, to hear 
from uh, from Walker, I believe, is one who said that he wanted to get the deal done now so that he w- could, by the rules, begin working with the race coaching staff. Kyle Snyder uh, and Michael Walker both live in Florida, so they can drive two hours, meet up, work a couple bullpen sessions over uh, December and January instead of worrying about that in February. That's a good reason, but uh, also it's kind of lipstick on a pig. Like, I'm, I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm not sure how necessary the deal was today, but, you know, the Rays walked into the press conference saying this was a priority signing for us and we needed to make sure it happened. Okay. If you say so, what's your other priorities? That's a hundred percent true. That's a hundred. Yep, but... Oh, wait, sorry. Evan, go. <clears throat> no, I was just going to say, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, uh, I mean, it's a, I don't know. The Rays will find ways to make us all question things. Cause it's just, just what they do. Uh, you know, like it or not, it's just kind of what they do. Uh, there was something not, it was, it's Rays related, but also not Rays related that I thought was quite weird that just came out today. So for those that don't follow, for those that don't necessarily follow uh, the rest of baseball as much as they do with the Rays. So Jim Salisbury, who is the Phillies insider, Philadelphia Phillies insider for uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia, put out a tweet at about 1230 this afternoon saying that uh, the Phillies just hired a new general manager. And it is, uh, I'll, I'll say former Rays legend. I'll call him a legend just because he made so, so many great catches, um, pretty big moments. But uh, Sam Fold is now the new Phillies general manager, which I don't even know where that came from. I don't know how much experience that he has in, in, in front offices in baseball. But uh, this was just – I was like, okay. I mean, I guess the Phillies are kind of doing what they're trying to do. But it was very, very interesting to see him as a, uh, now, now in a GM position. So I legend know. is definitely the right word because when he had his big raise moments was when the legend of Sam Fold occurred. Um, it was one of the early hashtags – when hashtagging became a thing on Twitter to, to deliver those memes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the legend lives on in, in Philly. He was a special assistant. He was pretty high up in all the conversations that were mm-hmm. happening for their front office. And he commands a lot of respect both with um, you know front office types who have not been on the field and then front office types who have been on the field. It's the same reason why uh, a former player like Chris Young can get a GM job with literally zero experience. Mm-hmm. It's because some guys just garner trust. And even when they're a player or they're in a bowl uh, – in a bullpen as a coach like cash was before he came over to tampa bay you know that there's these guys who are kind of like on the periphery of coaching staffs or front offices that are destined to greatness that um they're on a trajectory where you can say wow this guy is going to be a major league coach or wow this guy is going to be a gm someday and i don't think there's any question from the people that are on sample he was going to achieve one of those things and it seemed that his preference was for the front office and he got that under dombrowski I don't know. If yeah, you know. when when Alex told me that this signing had happened, I was I, I it took me a while to remember Sam because it's been it's been a while. Oh come and, uh, on, man. So so, but um. I mean, you can be forgiven for that. It's not like yeah, it, it's it's not the worst <laughs> thing in the world. It it just took me a second, you know. <laughs> I had to warm it up. Um, but like then I then I kind of remembered him. I was like, oh wow, that's kind of that's kind of random, you know. I I I I don't know much about him. You know, but what Daniel said, um, he was destined to become this kind of manager or like a coach position. I just think it's good for baseball, you know. Um, Rays just make the best uh, <laughs> front office they personnel. They the best, the best coaches <laughs> personnel in in, in MLB, I mean, the Rays so are about as like. responsible for full getting a GM job. Yeah, as, it, it's true. You know, I'm the just... Yankees are for cash being, you know, yeah. 
the Rays manager. It was a very short period of time. Yeah. Uh, Evan, I don't know if you have any thoughts about this. Yeah, I have. I had no clue where Samfold was. I mean, I remember him. I don't remember a whole lot what he did for the Rays, but I clear, I definitely remember him. I watched him as a bull when he when he was in Durham. But I had no clue. I don't. I had no clue where he was. I thought it was kind of random, but I'm really happy for him. I think he's gonna do. I hope he does a great job. Um, yeah, nothing but the best for him. Yeah, I remember him. I remember uh, him very well. Uh, very, very well with the Ray. I mean, he made some insane catches. Some yeah, very, very good catches. I think. I think most people know him more for his defense than his bat because his bat was non-existent at points. Yeah, he and also the had the, uh, the super cycle. He was yeah, quick. Where in Fenway, where uh, he gave up uh, the opportunity in the record books for the cycle when he had the double, the triple, and the home run, and then he hit another one, and he just ran it out, uh, legged it out to second base, and hit another double instead of stopping at first. <laughs> uh, I definitely think Fenway would have given him uh, a single for that, and he didn't go for it. <laughs> I mean, if you don't know Sam Fold, Google it. In 2011, it was a fantastic uh narrative that season if you put in legend of sam fold you'll get things from sb nation you'll get things from bleacher report you'll get the new york times like the legend is definitely real and it was a very fun season and it was probably his only notable season as a baseball player and it was for the race so this i know it was true. 10 years ago but definitely worth your time going going in the wayback machine yeah no he's yeah he was i mean he was he was he was everything everything of a legend that the Rays could have had. And then 2011 is a very, very, very um, magical year. If you're talking about the Rays, just of how the, uh, you know, how September went, how the season ended, obviously. Um, but going from, going from. Uh, I mean, so, and, and also the Rays gave out capes with Samfold's name and number on them. <laughs> if you remember that. that I remember that. I do. <laughs> oh my God. I do. That is. Yeah. That. Hey, I mean, if you're. You should remember Samfold. Yeah, every. I mean, all, it took a second, but I did. I ended up. It's one of the. It's one of the names in race history. It's like I'm, Dan I'm Johnson. I'm more upset at you forgetting Sam Fold than if you forget Mike Zanino ten years from now. <laughs> it's, honestly, honestly, that's a good point. But going from going from legends to interesting developments that happened. So Jeff Passan put out a tweet. I think it was yesterday. I'm assuming it was yesterday about how before games. So apparently he said he was going to use this as an anecdote and a story, but. Before games, Tyler Glasnow would get angry at a photo of Martin Screlly, who most people call the big pharma guy, uh, before <laughs> games that would get him angry. Um, thoughts? Because I'm conf- like, I had no, cl- I'm sorry. I've heard of big pharma before, but I had no clue who Martin Screlly was. And that's, that's probably my fault for not watching the news enough about that. But like, yeah. Ooh. Okay. So Martin Screlly is a garbage human being who yeah. um, is an investment guy yeah. and he bought the control of certain pharmaceutical drugs like insulin and then skyrocketed the price because they were necessary necessary drugs that were going to get bought no matter what. And it was a way to make return on investment very quickly. He yeah, is I in think, jail. I think he raised it so. like 500% from the original price or something yeah. like that. Jeez. That much? Yeah, like he's, that much. He's not a good human being at yeah, all. That, he, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the worst people you can imagine. And Tyler Glasnow is one of the best people you can imagine. I hate mm-hmm. seeing any time that he struggles on the mound because he is a um, – a gracious, funny, very likable dude. He's the player rep for the Players Association on the Rays. He took on that role after Chris Archer departed. I mean, uh, when I think about Rays least likely to be traded, I mean, Longo's been traded, so I know the front office doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Glasnow is very high on that list, both because he has yet to achieve his final form, if you will, 
mm-hmm. and, uh, and and just how well liked and how important he is to the clubhouse. So Glasnow is great. Um, I know that he was working on getting focused and, and staying motivated. Looking at a picture of Martin Scurley is hilarious. <laughs> I think that is one of the most punchable faces uh, that you could ever see. So uh, it definitely works for me too. I no, get angry what, just thinking about it. No, when I saw when I saw that um, that tweet, I actually thought it was just a it was just like a copy poster or something that people were just copying and then putting different things over. Because I actually saw different iterations of that tweet through other people. Like yeah, Jeff Passon puts out some. There was one stuff. Zach Greinke looks at Chipotle. Yeah, oh, there's yeah, got to be yeah. one with Chris Sale looking at uh, those White Sox jerseys from the '70s. Oh my God, no! <laughs> that is an that is an amazing, an amazing thing that happened with uh with with T-shirt gate. Is he a diabetic? Who? Sam Fold? No, no, no. Uh, glass now, because because you no. talked about insulin, so I didn't know if that was if that. No, 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 that was was insulin. Was it insulin that uh, it was? It was some. It was some like it was some drug. I'm not sure. It okay, because I was gonna insulin. say like I didn't know if that was gonna be um like if that was part of it like if there was some motivation outside of like he needed to actually use that specific drug so therefore he Daraprim. Hold on, let me look up what Daraprim is for. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> no, I think Martin Shkreli's just that much of a piece of crap. <laughs> I wonder if that's what like uh, so like. I wonder if, like, Seattle basketball fans look at pictures of Howard Schultz to get them going every day. Just like – All right, right I have a question. Basketball. Howard Schultz Tampa used Bay to raise? own the Supersonics. <laughs> and then sold them to Oklahoma City. Whatever. Yep. <laughs> I, I have a question. Um, yeah, what's what, up? <laughs> what picture do Tampa Bay Rays fans look at every day, every day to get them mad before they go on the mound or oh, watch, watch a Rays game? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, Anything to do with the Yankees, probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it's a good a question. A okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who is the key rival for the Rays, in your opinion? Because there was interesting chatter um, among journalists because, like, players were getting asked, like, who are the Rays' rivals? And they would say things like Oakland, which was no. crazy. No. Right? No way. So, as a Rays Oakland fan. Makes sense. It makes sense. I, I yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, like, similar small market, right? Is that what you're yeah. going with that? That's successful. Yeah, but, and, no, um, but that, that still doesn't make any sense. Like Oakland would never. I mean, I never thought of Oakland as a rival. I just think that they're Oakland. Yeah, exactly. So Maybe they don't like. What's the like big us. rival for for each of you guys? Uh, I would assume it's either Yankees or or, or Red Sox. Or which it one? It was the Red Sox for a little bit, but now it's all. I mean, I've always hated the Yankees. This is this is outside of of things. So it for me would be the Yankees, and it kind of got elevated more this year. But like, it, I still don't think it's a rivalry. Like, I think it's getting really, really, really close to that. But I don't think it's like a hundred percent a rivalry yet. Um, okay, yeah, so I, Alex, I, you say Yankees. Yeah. I definitely Gibby. think I, – I think after this season, just like the storylines that happened this season, I think it's got to be Yankees. Um, you know, there's been stuff in the past, like CC Sabathia and the Rays sometimes. Um, I definitely think the Yankees, you know, it kind of used to be the Red Sox, like um, early, like, 2010s and, like, mm-hmm. late 2000s. Now, now it's definitely – I think it's switched to the Yankees. Kind of yeah, Blue Jays, too. Blue Jays fight is hard. I don't know. Yeah, like I would say four, like four or five years ago, it was probably Red Sox when a uh, Big Poppy and Archer had that huge. They just kept going at it every game. I forget what exactly happened there, but I just remember Archer and Poppy. Archer, Archer kissed the bicep. That was oh the- right, right. <clears throat> and then yeah, I would say Yankees right now. I mean, like two best. I mean, arguably the two best teams in the AL AL this year. Um, just all the fireworks that happened. Um. Yeah, I mean, as the, as the Rays get better, I think rivalries 
get more intense by being two better teams. And as those, as our, like both teams are the best in their respective league, I think the, I think the Yankees are definitely our be- our biggest rival right now. Definitely. Yeah, I'd have to agree with the Yankees. I don't get all the Boston hate, but I also um, live in Boston, so I'm not allowed to say that. Makes sense. <laughs> I have I have Boston hate for other reasons, meaning the New England Revolution, because I'm a Union fan. Uh, oh, so fascinating. I was uh, well. I'm from South Jersey, so I actually I grew up a Phillies oh, fan. I'm sorry. No, nah, it's fine. <laughs> I, know, I love South Jersey. It's it's great. <laughs> okay, well, okay. I have a playoffs question for you, boys. Okay. Are the Rays going back to the playoffs next year? I think so. Yeah. With this team, I, I do too. Uh, back to normal playoff format. I'm assuming. Yeah. I'll still take this team going to the playoffs. I think either way, I think we're going back to the playoffs. Uh, If we're playing 150 games or like 150 games plus, like a normal schedule, Mm -hmm. I I, I could see it happening again. Man, that's a lot of confidence. What what do you think? What do you think of the biggest things that are holding this team back right now? Is it, is it, it is, I guess, is, is one of them losing Morton? One of them is a thousand percent losing Morton. Okay. The Rays need to do something big to replace that. Um, the offense did not show up in the World Series. Not at all. So yes. I have big questions about the quality of the offense when uh, none of your best hitters can, you know, show up in the best, best biggest moment, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the catching situation is, I mean, uncomfortable. So that is true. That yeah, is true. when you're when you're relying on a rookie in your postseason, kind of does carry you the whole way. Um, it's not a good look for your offense. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. see where you're coming from. But I still think our pitching can be dominant. And so I'd like to see how we do in a 150-game format. I think we at least make a wild card, though, still, even with this team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe. Randy, we, uh, I think we lose in four to the Yankees. Like, I mean, that he really powered our offense and sadly was the only player who really did anything throughout the first couple. Zunino had a really good Mar- – Zunino and Margot played really well. And then Renfro had a good divisional series, but uh, or wild card series. But um, I agree. I think we need to go get a. I mean, kind of jumping the segments to in like a wish list. But like, I think I've always been a huge Cruz fan, along with a lot of Rays fans. And I think going to get Cruz, the right-handed power hitter that we thought Renfro could have been. But uh, I mean, Cruz is still he's what 42, 41, I think. Yeah. Still so hit. who knows when when the wheels are going to fall off, right? But but then. That, what, what's the domino effect for there? Does Austin Meadows become your everyday right fielder if you're dedicating the vast majority of DH to Cruz? And if so, now you have three players on the roster who are your center fielder between well, think, KK, Margot, Phillips. I think Margot could be our everyday right fielder too, um, depending on what we do with KK, obviously. I mean, if right we, now uh, he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as uh, the then, roster stands. Uh, then Randy could be everyday left fielder too, so – just depending on what KK does, I guess. I guess what our front office decides to do with him. I think Margot would be a good, a good replacement for KK if we were to offload KK in center field. He'd be too. good. He'd be good enough. Probably not as good as a glove of glove, but definitely a better hitter, I believe. Well, I was gonna say, would they have to use him in center because I mean they have other guys that they like. Would Margot be the person that they would use in center? Or would they put Phillips in center? Or would a Rosarina fit there? Or would he fit better in left field? I it's see, possible I think that you would... go to a platoon. Like, if you wanted to do a straight platoon, um, uh, I have questions. But maybe, you know, for the most difficult right-handed pitchers, 
where you think Margot is not going to stand a chance either way. Maybe that's when you bring in Phillips and try to get a hand in this matchup. Mm-hmm. Either way, I feel like all of that is a placeholder for whatever is next because you have multiple players who can play center field that are coming and will need to be at the major league level soon. We just saw Nate Lowe get traded because the Rays did not have room for him on the major league side. Mm-hmm. And that's going to happen a whole bunch of times here pretty soon. Between Vidal Brujan and Josh Lowe, you need to decide who is going to be your next center fielder. That's true. That's true. Well, were there any – so in terms of power bats to get, because I know the offense is a concern right now, is is there anyone – I mean, I know that there's other bats outside of Cruz, but is there anyone that the Rays should get that they could primarily use as a DH because it seems like all of the other really, like, position spots that they have right now are, are, are all filled up and or will be filled up by the time 2021 comes? I mean, I guess. I just so badly want them to fix the other problems <laughs> – <laughs> I don't feel like a power hitter is, is the, the missing element. I don't think this is a situation where you go, wow, this team is so going back to the World Series if only they hit a couple more home runs. That's true. Well, do you yeah, think they should true. trade for Contreras? If they want to get a better catcher, do you think that they should trade for Contreras or try to get someone of that caliber? I think they should use money. I think Tyler Flowers is an easy sign to, to come up with a timeshare. And, and, it's, and you need something short-term, too. You don't need a long-term investment because – Theoretically, Ronaldo Hernandez is coming back, so or, or coming up. I I don't see a, a a lot of great catchers that you could trade for that I'd be comfortable with being in a fifty percent timeshare. You know, we've written about the Twins have kind of surplus catching, so maybe they could do something. Not clear how many teams are willing to move catchers, so I think I I go to the free agent market if I were feeling that. Definitely, uh, yeah. I- uh, Evan, what were were there any guys specifically um, that that you had in mind? Maybe I mean we've always talked about him, but Gallo. I mean there was always there's always been trade rumors about. I mean I'm not is he is Gallo a free agent right now or is he still under contract? He's still under contract. Oh yeah, still under control at least for another year or two. But we've always kind of talked about him maybe going out and getting him. I don't know who we trade for him, but um, but I agree with what Danny said. Like home run, it wasn't the lack of home runs in the playoffs that were kind of hindering this offense it was scoring with runners on base and I mean we hit a ton of home run I think the only reason like the only way we scored runs in the playoffs were home runs and um I I, I don't know what the solution is to that but I like I, yeah I just don't know really it's just kind of tough there's it's I feel like the Rays don't want to go out and try to get someone I mean Flowers is a good name to get someone behind the plate and Honestly, for what for what they have as a roster build up right now, I feel like Cruz is the only one that really stands out as if they want to get someone as a bat, they they could get him. But again, Danny, like you said, I mean the wheels could fall off at any point and they haven't fallen off yet and he's and he's now in his forties, so they're gonna fall off soon eventually. Sure. I mean Gallo's an interesting player to trade for. So he's got two years remaining, uh, and he's been hurt a lot over the last two years. Mm-hmm. And 2020 is the year where it definitely all fell apart for him. He played through the full season. He almost played all 60 games, but he was extremely hurt. <laughs> he had a jacked up wrist and he just kind of played through it. Mm-hmm. So um, it, if he's healthy when he has not been healthy for two seasons, maybe that's something interesting. And then you hope for uh, you know something more. I, it seems like he could potentially be, if, if, if Gallo were everything that he were destined to be, that's like a, a four win player. So it's a nice little buy low if you have that opportunity. But I'm not sure the Rays are in a position 
to to use a roster spot on that. What? But then the flip side, I, I'm immediately hearing uh, kind of like my writer's room yell at me as I say that. <laughs> Many of them listen to this because what my staff would say back to me there is the race have to take those gambles. They have to go for boomer bust. That's why they spend $3 million on Michael Walker, right? When Archer probably costs five or something like that when he's coming off injury, right? You need more guarantees and you don't have a lot of 40 man roster space. Can you bet on Gallo? Maybe. That's true. Yeah. That is really That's true. That's a good and point. I also did want to throw, Danny, I wanted, I wanted to throw this by you because you talked about pitching for a little bit. Uh, in, in our last pod, we discussed the possibility because I know right now, from what I've seen, the, raid, uh, the Reds are shopping both Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. And personally, I like Castillo more out of the two. But are there any names that, you know, possible guys that they could trade for, just names that are out there right now that you think uh, the Rays should try to go after? Uh, I got one. Pitching standpoint? Yeah, let's hear it. Ha Seung Kim from the KBO. Ooh. He bats 300 oh, wait, in wait, the wait, KBO. Wait. Oh, you're talking about a hitter. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a hitter. Oh, I mean, they I, could I, try I, it. I was, I, I was just good. I, I thought we were still going on players that we would want. <laughs> Of uh, I mean, power hitters, we want. I mean, but, he um, could be a good hitter for them, honestly. The Rays like taking guys from um, internationally. I know they have a really, really. I mean, big he he bats three oh eight. He had like thirty homers in the KBO in like a shortened season, I think. Um, twenty four doubles in like one hundred thirty seven games. Wow, it's not bad. Not bad. You know, have another have another uh, another Korean player. I don't think it's a bad idea. No, I love we international have, players. So. Um, that sets up our next article on D-Rays Bay up pretty nicely. I'm finishing up editing for uh, Homan, who is our resident in Korea who writes about Asian players for us. Um, he's got a whole article coming. So that's not, it's not a bad idea to dip the toe in the Asian market to see what you can add. I mean, look at the World Series run from 2008. Nakamura Iwamura was a massive part of that. That is true. But, uh, Danny, were there any um, – so, for pitchers, were there any guys that kind of stood out to you right now that are on the market? I mean, that are on the market is such a hard thing, dude. So, as the Rays stand right now, you need to acquire, like, a pre-arb player because they just don't have money. Mm-hmm. Everything that we're hearing right now is they're trying to shed payroll and make moves to ditch player contracts. Like, if they could trade Satsugo, I think they would. If they could trade KK, I think they would. And it comes down to the ownership not being willing to have years where the Rays lose money. So I, I, I don't like it, but that's the reality. So if you're going to be trading for players, you need to be trading for them pre-hype, like a glass now situation where you get a guy who's starting to put things together and then you, you add them then. Do diamonds I know who those answers are? I mean, I'm not sure. So we're looking for diamonds in the rough is what you're sure. saying, basically. We're not, we're not quite, we're not quite, um, on, on top shelf kind of guys, you know, they're, they're searching I mean, for some deals. I mean, they always are, but. Hey, if it's anybody who can find those guys, it's the race run office. So I trust true. them pretty bad. Yeah, that is 100% true. One starting pitcher I think the race could go after is a pitcher every team seems to think that they can fix, and that's Vince Velasquez for the Phillies. Um, they just have the new general manager who might be willing to deal. That you know, Dave Dabrowski is, is quite the traitor. And he gets brought into situations to clean them up and acquire new pieces. So uh, I think it would be interesting if, you know, if he's looking to maybe he's the one who goes out and gets Sonny Gray and he wants to move Velasquez out of the rotation or something like that. I think the Rays can match up well there. Uh, His contract is just about done. So it's not a a big suck in terms of committing years of a roster space to. And I think 
that's the right level of boomer bust the race can probably gamble on when you have pieces sitting around like Josh Fleming who can step in and maybe be a, a somewhat different Yarbrough and stuff like that. So um, that that'd probably be the easy name to go to. From watching Vince Velasquez, um, since the rest of my family are Phillies fans, I've, I've seen a lot of Vince Velasquez and it, he's definitely a work in progress. I think that's the easiest way to describe what he is, is he's definitely a work in progress. I think that they, I mean, the Rays seem to figure out ways to do kind of everything when it comes to getting, you know, guys back on the right foot. But man, he is, he is a, he's a pain to watch. At least from what I've seen the last few years in the Phillies, he's been a, I think it's, he kind of suffered through that like third time through the lineup thing. He just became like a launching pad. I mean, I think guys were hitting like close to 500 off of him at one point, just like third, third time through the order, which is just insane. So, I mean, if they can right, so put an opener in front of him, I mean, honestly, if they want to do that, that actually wouldn't be the worst idea ever because I know, I mean, that, I mean, that really worked out for Yarbrough in 2018 and 2019. I know that. Yeah, I think if there's one thing the Phillies are willing to, like, change on their team, it's definitely their pitching staff because they're, they're looking to uh, upgrade their bullpen, definitely, you know. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen That's, why, so the, that's why the last guy got – that's why the last guy lost his job, so. Um, I mean, yeah. So, you can't so that's, get much um, worse. You can't get much worse than their current bullpen. So yeah, so <laughs> I think they're just, they're just looking true. they're looking to offload some guys. So I I, I definitely think that's a that, that Vince Velasquez. You know, like we always say, we we said this with Michael Walker. You know, Michael Walker had a down season last season, but what Kyle Schneider was kind of saying is that he wants to really work with him. And you know, Rays are really good at like rehabilitating pitchers and getting them back into like kind of a workable shape. So if we could do that same thing with um, Mr. Vince, I think that'd be pretty, pretty good. Yep, definitely. So Danny, I wanted to ask you some things because um, I mean, this is, I mean, we pretty much wrapped up everything in terms of new stuff, but so I wanted to ask more stuff about, um, about you and D-Rays Bay. So obviously D-Rays Bay is kind of outside of what people would consider like the traditional media covering the race of the Tampa Bay times, MLB.com. D-Rays Bay is like the next biggest you know, competitor in terms of um, what people uh, look at, especially Rays fans. Uh, when did you first get involved uh, with the with the website, with SB Nation, and how did it evolve into where you are now as the managing editor of the site? Sure. Yeah, thanks, Alex. So I think like 2010, I started writing for SB Nation. Um, I was in the fan post section. I was in the comments. I was in the fan posts, kind of like making my own arguments. Um, and the guy who was leading d Bay at the time was a guy named Steve Slowinski. And he was like, hey, I think SB Nation is looking to add people. So SB Nation was the precursor to Vox mm. uh, and, and what is now that giant umbrella. d Bay was actually one of the original six blogs that came together and created the corporation. So uh, it, it, as hockey has an original six, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so does SB Nation. Um, but they were making these regional hubs where um, there would be, if you were just a Tampa Bay sports fan, you could go to tampabay.espionation.com and there would be pulling in the best content from all the various uh, teams in the area. So maybe USF content, uh, some Florida State, some Gators, and then, uh, you know, all the lightning race coverage, whatever. And to round out that content, they wanted people who could kind of create original things or put together links articles and understood the Florida media landscape. So I was one of those people. Um, 
I was also doing some of the Florida State baseball stuff because Buster Posey was a big deal at the time. I don't know if you heard of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of following it on the internet. So that's how my on-road. Um, I kind of really found my home running about baseball. So shifted over to D-Ray's Bay when there was an opportunity, um, when there was a writer position open. And over time, just kind of worked my way up. I had a skill set around editing, so I started getting into that. And then uh, when Steve stepped away, uh, Ian was the first uh, interim manager, but they were looking for someone that could kind of like shoulder the load and and direct the staff because we have a decent sized writer's room. It's about 17 people right now Mm -hmm. um, that are involved and it's great. Um, People are able to get paid for their work and we appreciate being able to do what we do as a hobby. This is not a full-time gig, Mm -hmm. um, which is why, you know, some days there might be no new articles. (laughs) But my structure when I took over the site was to say we are going to bit, uh, put a big emphasis on editing and what I would call like journalistic integrity. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't just be a hot takes blog, but it would actually be something where people could dabble and get their feet wet. Because that was a model that I had seen be successful for another SB Nation site called Beyond the Box Score. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one still exists, but it doesn't have that model anymore. It's about like six people and it's a hot take site. Mm-hmm. Um, Dira's Bay has been able to become an incubator for people who want to work on their careers ever since then. Um, our editors, staff, we got about six editors um, who are paid to edit as their primary responsibility. Mm-hmm. And we, we source our articles, um, you know, multiple times over, and we really try to put out content that's worth people's time. Mm-hmm. So that's my vision for the site. And it's been great. We've had, um, you know, a few people hired off to journalistic endeavors and a few people hired off to uh front offices so it's been fun so did you grow up a Rays fan or because you said you're in boston now so did you were you born grew up in the boston area and then found your way down to florida or how did that work out yeah actually i didn't move to boston until 2013 when i got a job out of college and they told me i had to pick la or boston those are my only two options (laughs) (laughs) i picked boston because i was like i guess east coast right um turns out it snows there i don't know if you knew that (laughs) <laughs> what's that yeah it's, it's this weird stuff that falls from the sky uh and oh, it's not pollution it's just really cold no um i grew up on the space coast so okay. out by cape canaveral oh, okay yeah. and 1990 was a magical year for me because that's when i was 10 and i figured out whoa i like sports and so the rays became a thing as the devil race their inaugural mm-hmm. season and the home run race happened uh between mcguire and sosa and so it was just like a really freaking cool time to be a kid and being enjoying sports. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that inaugural season definitely hooked me, um, you know, over the years, my dad and I would go to maybe like one game a year. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's like a two and a half hour trek from the East yeah. coast of Florida to get to the stadium, but absolutely just fell in love with it that way. My dad grew up in Chicago, so he's a white Sox fan. So we never got bit by the Marlins bug. Uh, so the devil rays, um, I don't know. We're just there at the perfect time for me. Yeah, it makes I just think I just think Devil Rays is cooler than Marlins well, too. So it just makes sense. I mean, between oh, them, I, I'm pretty sure that a Marlin is a more dangerous fish. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Steve Verwin. Ooh, still uh, too soon. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna cut that. I was gonna say the Marlins made a joke about that on social media. Oh they, gosh. Like, they they like called out the Rays. I mean. Oh. I remember that. Yeah, that, that was, was a day that. for but actually, a day for race publicity. <laughs> it was not a nice right. time. So actually, 
when when I was in the inaugural season, I was I was born in 1998, and so. I think the Rays, they did this promotion for like their inaugural season where it was like Rays babies or something. It was like they, they brought a bunch of like like nine month old, not not very old children to like the field and like they they took a bunch of pictures of us and there's like pictures of me just on Tropicana Field and like one of the, during the inaugural season. So definitely, definitely cool. Is this why cool. you don't remember Sam Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was only like two. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he was but I do remember. He's like I, Baby Yoda. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Hey, but, uh, hey, no, I remember Sam Fold. I remember him. Low key. It's just been oh, a while. Oh. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so, well, I was gonna ask quickly. Um, as an aside, uh, how close um, uh, were you growing up to Melbourne, that area? Uh, so I technically li- uh, grew up in Melbourne because it's like long and skinny, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, because it kind of runs the coast so i was up on the northern side of things by the viera very Um, cool yeah i grew up really close to um this the old nationals spring training complex which is now uh now a softball complex yeah i think we passed by that a few times i don't know if they demolished the actual like the actual stadium but i think going by no it's there it's still there it's still there okay drove by yesterday i I drove by today it's still there yeah i was gonna say i don't know if they've completely gotten rid of it so I guess uh, talking about this season um, for you coming into this season and kind of how, you know, weird everything's been. Well, A, did you expect there to be baseball played in any capacity? And once the actual season started, what were you expecting was going to happen to the Rays and now the season over them getting to the World Series? Did it, did it exceed your expectations? Did it, you know, did it, did it meet it? I guess that part of it coming out of this. Yeah, season. it met expectations. I think that's an interesting question. Um, because I expected the Rays to be competitive in a short season. They mm-hmm. seemed like a high variance team that could shoulder, um, you know, not having the opportunity to kind of figure things out. They seemed a pretty balanced team and a pretty complete team. What I did not expect is the offense to disappear during the World Series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we think about game six of the World Series when Snell gets pulled. Well, Snell gets pulled because it's a, it's a one-run ball game. If Brendan Lau or Austin Meadows or – if Yoshi Satsugo doesn't lose his job to Joey Wendell, you know, maybe then, uh, you know, it's not a one-run game and Cash doesn't have to manage so aggressively. But uh, other than how the World Series went, everything met expectations for me. I expected the Rays to be built for um, our chaotic short season, and they were. Uh, as of next year, I don't think the Rays are built for a 162 or a 150 I'm not even sure if baseball should be happening at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I do think there's too much money at stake. So I expected baseball to happen last year and I expect baseball to happen this year. Gibby, I think you said maybe 150 games. I think that sounds right. I don't expect spring training to get going until probably April. Yeah. So maybe like a mid May start to the season and they just kind of cut out that first six weeks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a super reasonable approach. And I still expect the national league to have the DH. It would yeah. be great if they could have that back because honestly, I mean, yeah. like I've heard it in other podcasts, you know, no one's missing the fact that pitchers weren't hitting last year in the NL. No one, no one. No, that's why I'm an American League fan. Not, I literally do not want to watch pitchers hit ever. Yeah. It's, it's beyond annoying. Do, do, you think, do you think they'll get rid of the uh, rule that states like you, you get a uh, runner on second base to start uh, extra innings? Because I really hope so, but. You know, I'm in the camp that baseball should be a shorter experience for the fan. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's not like a popular opinion, so I'm happy to get roasted for this. But baseball is <laughs> just too damn long. It happens every day. I don't have four hours to commit to watching a game every day, right? I can't watch 162 games. Now, I bet during this pandemic, I think I watched 58 out of 60. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever. But uh, in general, like I love soccer. We talked about MLS a second ago. I'm a big Liverpool fan. It's a two-hour experience. You know exactly what you're getting when you turn it on. Mm-hmm. I know that it's going to start now, and in two hours from now, the game will be over, and I can plan my day. Uh, you know, I miss a ton of the television stuff that comes out <laughs> when it's during the baseball season. I don't buy MLB The Show because I know I don't have time to play MLB The Show because the actual show is happening. <laughs> Which, by the way, I don't know why MLB The Show drops at the beginning of the season makes no sense to me. I do not have time to give to video games right now. I have to give five hours a day to baseball. It's too much. I've got kids. So too baseball, baseball, baseball. That's my point. No, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I did want to add um, like, like one or two quick hitters. So you've, I mean, you've seen the Rays evolve in your lifetime up until where they are now. Who's your favorite all-time Ray? Longo. It's a good this, pick. A man of taste. Yes. A man of taste. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy who dedicated his career and said, I want to be Mr. Tampa Bay, and then they, you know, yeah. sent him to the Bulls. Whatever. The, the Build a statue team. the longer. That is true. That is. Um, do you, so do you think that the trop gets a bad rep? Do you think that it's Yeah, it's 73 degrees, and it's not raining. And they've done a lot. They've installed LED lights. The field is a lot greener. The food is typically actually pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, particularly yeah. in, like, the right field concourse where they have, like, the chefs come in and kind of invent new things every year. You can get a lot of good Cuban food in the stadium too. Yeah, the trop gets a really bad rap. Yeah. Once I'm once I'm at the trop, I love the trop. When I'm driving to the trop, I don't like the trop so much. But other than that, it's great. <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? Only ten percent of all of Tampa Bay lives within a thirty-minute drive of the trop. Exactly. That's bad. That, yeah, I don't know horrible. why the Rays. Now I know why it hasn't happened. There's obvious reasons. But what I would love to see the Rays do, you have to get three franchises to agree on something. Seems very far-fetched, but hear me out. The Rays need to buy the spring training complex off of the Yankees, partner with the Bucks, and turn that whole area on Dale Mabry into the new NFL MLB complex with a mall built around it, like Kansas City or whatever, where it's shared parking lots and all that stuff. Build some Super parking complex. garages, That'd be cool. utilize that space better. Uh, the Rays can kind of take over the Yankee situation, redeploy all the fields and stuff. So everything kind of grouped together instead of being spread out and make that one big experience out by the airport. Perfect location. You can see the downtown skyline. I know it's not waterfront, but you lost out on buying Arbiter Works 10 years ago. And now everyone loves that. So you're not going to get it. And no more uh, Yankee Stadium eyesore. And no more Yankee Stadium in the middle of freaking downtown Tampa. Oh, my God, yeah. dude. I talk about this, like, every podcast, and I get so mad yeah, about it. drives me crazy, man. It is annoying. <laughs> well, I was going to say, other other things that are now annoying. Uh, did you like what, what Major League Baseball did with, with, with what happened with Minor League Baseball? And do you think that the Stone Crab should still exist? I mean, the Stone Crabs do exist. They're just the GCL team. <laughs> I mean, I, do I feel bad for Port Charlotte? I mean, yeah, I guess because the Rays were the biggest employer that wasn't a prison in that town. So I, yeah, I guess true. I feel bad for the people who live locally. Uh, that Buffalo Wild Wings is going to take a real bad hit. There's nothing in Port Charlotte. I do not feel bad because Port Charlotte, driving to Port Charlotte made me feel as good as driving to uh, the Trop Fields on a Thursday <laughs> after you get out of work, right? Yeah, it makes like, sense. 
what a terrible location. But I mean, do you think that Charleston was a like like you know changing it from Port Charlotte to Charleston in terms of now now where it's located was that a better idea? Or do you think that they should have gone somewhere closer? It's a fine idea. I think the only weird thing is uh, wondering where the race players are going to rehab when they get injured because typically you have something down the road or really close. The same reason Hudson Valley becomes a Yankees complex, right? Uh, so that they don't have to send their players to Trenton or whatever. What was the Thunder? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. The Thunder were in Trenton. And also, you might need to ditch that spring training complex soon, depending on what happens around stadium and stuff like that. So, yeah, you kind of needed to separate and pull back a little bit. No, I'm not bothered. It's, they're still going to have multiple instructional league teams, GCL. Uh, the spring training complex is still there. It's fine. Whatever. And the last thing that I have, what are you most looking forward to in 2021 for this team? I want to see Tyler Glassdale put it together for a full season. Love that. Love that. I think that's he's a, close. That's a good – that's honestly a perfect way to end it. Well, first off, Danny, thank you so much um, for taking the time to do this. Yeah. This, was, this was awesome. Uh, we really, really enjoyed you taking the time to do this. Um, for those that haven't followed you, don't follow your work at D-Race Bay, which if you don't, what are you doing? Like Danny, Danny writes some great stuff. Everyone at D-Race Bay puts out a lot of great content. Where can people find you on social media? And then how can people find your links to get on D-Race Bay? Sure. So D-Race Bay is, is D-R-A-Y-S-B-A-Y.com. You go there, you can figure the rest out. On Twitter, I'm D underscore R-U-S-S. I do not run our Twitter account. So if you think it's really funny, uh, it wasn't me. But other than that, uh, I'm on the majority of podcasts that we put out on the D-Race Bay feed. And that's on, but whatever, all the places, Megaphone, Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple, whatever. <laughs> Wherever you're listening to Raise the Roof, I bet we're there too. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's been a pleasure to be on here. I, I'm of the, of the mind of that the more Raise content that exists, the better the Raise online atmosphere is. So I'm thrilled that you guys are doing this podcast and I wish you guys all uh, the success. I want as many great race podcasts out there as possible. So I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank really, you, really Danny. Appreciate it. Uh, so, so for everyone listening, uh, again, thanks so much for taking the time to listen. This is, again, going to be our last episode before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, if you don't follow us, we're on Twitter at Raise the Roof Pod. And we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Um, So from all of us, stay safe, stay healthy. Please wear a mask and raise up. Raise up. Raise up.